Welcome to another episode of the Underground Bunker podcast. And this time we're welcoming Fred Brennan. Hi, very good to be here. I'm so glad you're here. You know, um, Fred, I I, uh, I don't know how long ago I noticed that you were reading the bunker and you were you were uh, tweeting some things and interacting with some of the stories. Yeah, and- um, it's one of the sites that I read pretty much. Well, there was a period where I was reading it every single day, um, and even now I read it. Hmm, two, three, four times a week. It's always really interesting. Your reporting is very good and very spot on. And I think you know more about Scientology than any other, uh, I guess you could say, um, log, you know, <laughs> like, 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 like myself, right? That, that's the Scientology word. Um, yeah, uh, my interest in, in, in it is, again, totally as somebody who has never been in, but just because it had weirdly a big positive impact on my life and not in the way anybody's thinking. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that that, because you told me that story and it's really fascinating. So um, I had read about you a little bit, but I have to admit when I really got to know who you were was the HBO series Q into the storm, which uh, was just, I, I know I've heard some criticisms of the series. I understand what those so systems I. are, I don't share them. However, I, okay. see, I I'm always in this conspiracy space with you know with the Scientology stuff. So the more detail, the better. As far as I was concerned, I thought that I whole agree. that whole like you know high um, archaeology of where things came from, I thought was fantastic, and especially your part. I mean, it was just so dramatic and interesting. And so oh, I thank you. I mean, it, it wouldn't have been interesting at all if it, if it wasn't for the director, Colin Hoback, because I can just talk for hours about things that don't matter. And <laughs> um, obviously, you know, um, I have Asperger's, so it's it's very simple for me to do that. Like, I was regaling you with, you know, the tales of Linux kernel driver development, which, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you don't care about at all. So it's, um, yeah. So uh, a lot of editing there to make me look or to make me sound smart about that. Well, no, I mean, it was a great series. And for those of us who are, I do watch, keep an eye on QAnon a little bit at my website, not like these guys do, like Colin does. And, you know, some of these other guys like at QAnon Anonymous and those folks. But I, I do I do have an interest. And so I was fascinated. Uh, and so then I noticed, so like I said, I've gotten to know a little bit about you. And then we were interacting a little bit. And then... Out of nowhere, you suggested you helpfully suggested a better font for my website. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just because I was reading it so much, and I was surprised to hear actually that you'd moved over to Substack, so I subscribed to it. And then, um, uh, yeah, and so I've been getting them by email now, which is more convenient. But <laughs> anyway, I, yeah, I did do that because I'm a font developer, that's my main job. Um, and so I made a typewriter font at one time to solve an issue, uh, that is in them. Like basically if you have two letters that are together, they'll look the same in almost every typewriter font that you use. But in mine, there are 10 versions of each letter in there. So if you put E, 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 every E will look slightly different. So it'll look like it's actually typewritten. It won't look so fake. 
Right, right. Oh, that's smart. So that was fun. So that was fun. But then uh, you surprised me again because then you reached out to me because um, you had actually written something for Wikipedia Mm. about this – battle over John Atak's book. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty tight with John Atak and I know something of, you know, his history and his publishing history. Cause he came out with his book, piece of blue sky back in 1990. And it was a big right. publishing battle. Right. And you had, you had taken the time to really research the legal history of that book. And you wrote about it for Wikipedia. And I was blown away that at the amount of research you had done, and the care you had put into that. Now, is have have, have you done this with other Scientology issues on Wikipedia? Um, I haven't, but that's just because other editors have. It's mostly when I notice something that I think is really important that's missing that I put that much effort into it. So I can't remember the video I was watching, but I, I listen to ATAC's channel sometimes. You know, when I'm working on different programs, I often have some audio running in the background just some podcast, probably like this one or ATAC or, or somebody, you know, talking about something I think is interesting. And he'd mentioned that, oh yeah, uh, I was sued. And, you know, it was the one of the first times in the United States that a judge had declared that a book could not be published. And I was like, is that, is he right about that? Is that, did that really happen? Like it surprised me, you know, because yeah. I had, I had, I read a piece of Blue Sky. So I had read the book, but I didn't realize that there was a, court judgment because I was born in 1994. So by the time I would have bought it and read it, I have like the Kindle version, I think, but uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm funny whenever I buy a book, I only buy it if I know how to break the DRM and then I break the DRM <laughs> right away. And yeah, so <laughs> I have an EPUB on my computer somewhere, but anyway, I, um, I, I, I had done that. And so I started to research like the claim he made in, in, in the podcast. Cause it's not like, I didn't think he was being untruthful. I just thought if that's really true, uh, it's not well documented. So right. that's why. Yeah. So so what did you find? I found that it was totally true. And in <laughs> fact, it was, it was worse than he said. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, no, it was totally true. Um, and I mean, you know, Scientology almost won that battle, which would have been insane. And then not only that, they... They sued like another publisher. His case is actually called like in the legal uh, things, New Era Two, because New Era One was about Bareface Messiah. You know oh, okay. they sued. Yeah, it's it's crazy. When I found that out, it's just I I, I don't. I, it, and that's why Scientology is so interesting to me because I really like the. Uh, I read a lot of re- legal articles on. Right. Yeah, and so I. There are legal battles and all of this, the crazy stuff that they do in courts around the world is one of the things that I find interesting about them. Yeah. So, no, the case was real. Uh, New Era Publications International APS, because bizarrely, they are suing through this Denmark corporation in in U.S. court. I, I wasn't able to find out why or what the legal theory behind that was. And it, it might, it's probably a tax dodge that that's what came to, I was my only explanation in the end, but I'm not sure why they would incorporate in Denmark. 
I mean, who the hell knows? Like maybe you know, Jefferson but, Hawkins would probably know because I think he, in his book, he talks about their publications being based there. And yeah, had, I, I'd really actually, like to know why. Jefferson because, was working out of Copenhagen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because well, APS. I, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, like the name of the case: New Era yeah. Pu Publications International APS versus Carroll Publishing Group and John Jonathan Cabinet Attack. Wow. APS stands for like on part scab or something. It's wow. dangerous. Yeah, wow. it's very weird. Well, I think Peace of Blue Sky was the first full-length book about Scientology that I ever read. I, I think in the case briefs, they say that it was like the first academic study of Scientology. It's very, um, and it's so detailed. There's so many footnotes when you read it, which I really appreciate because if you know anything about wikipedia it's all about the footnotes so. yeah yeah so um anyway i was super impressed at that wikipedia article and the work you oh, put oh, into it oh thank you i yeah i mean you know uh it and wouldn't work if everybody wasn't you know helping so it's not just me no but then i realized how much how much knowledge you had about scientology which really excited me then the next thing that happened i'm trying to bring us up to the current day fred <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. No, we're having, I'm having fun here. The next thing that happened was I, I had my big story about Lisa Marie Presley, the interview I did with her. And you took that story and you put it through an AI voice and created a voice file of it with this lovely British female voice reading the story. Yeah. And, just, and just gave it to me. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, yeah, maybe people don't know, but in machine learning, uh, there's like tiers of things. So there are different AI voices. There are some that are free, but they still, at least at the present time, 2023, sound like robots, right? It sounds very right, bad. Right. But then there are ones you can pay for. Uh, it's not that much money. It costs like for, I think your story was 7,000 words, maybe something like that. Maybe not that long, but anyway, it's like a dollar for 7,000 words. It's not that oh, much. Okay, okay. Yeah, but you also can do things like, if you know that there are words in there that the that the voice, you know, the robot voice, that doesn't sound like a robot. It sounds actually like a real British woman. It's very, it's very like strange how good it is, uh -huh. but, but you can actually tell it by writing the pronunciation of the oh, words. Oh, right. Yeah. Or mispronounced, yeah. So it's well, and, I went, I went through the whole thing, and there were only there were only very few words that came out sounding funny. Virtually everything sounded perfect. Yeah. Um. The only reason I did that is because you showed it to me, and it was so long, and I knew, and I read like the first few paragraphs, and I knew that I wanted to read the rest of it, but I didn't have time. So yeah. then that's why I did that. Yeah. Um. But no, I'm 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 glad you appreciated that because. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh no! I I put it I put it on my YouTube. And, I know. I and, saw. I was very surprised when you did that because I didn't think it. I didn't think it took that much work from me. But then again, I mean, it is kind of. If you're not already a developer and you don't do that a lot, you wouldn't know how to run that like API call, and you wouldn't have an Amazon Web Services account to even run it through. So I get that. But I mean, it would be pretty trivial for me to do that for all of your stories and just automatically send you the, <laughs> like it. Yeah. I could do that in an hour. 
Well, I appreciate it on one like that. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that, that story took a lot of work and, uh, um, and it was so interesting. Oh, it really gosh. Was. You know, it addresses things that I don't think had ever been looked at before. And not, not to my knowledge. I mean, and this was Lisa Marie herself telling me that she regretted breaking up with Michael Jackson and that she felt pressured by yeah. the Church of Scientology. And that's just that had not come out. That had not come out before. So, um, anyway, but it makes thank- sense. It does make sense. And I just, you know, the, my motivation there was she, she, it was so fun talking to her. She was so cool. And, and she really let me in on all these really interesting things in her life. And I wanted people to know what a fighter she was. I mean, she was really determined to drop these bombs on David Miscavige from the sort of the shadows. And it was just really cool. I think you did a really good thing for her in her memory because, um, you know, in the research community, she probably would, is not seen as much of a fighter, right? Until your story came out because she did it mostly in, like quietly, you know? Right, right. While still maintaining good uh, appearances, which you have to do if you're still in the church, right? So I, I get it. But no, I, I really appreciated your story. And I found it really fascinating that she was pressured because like the common media narrative of why she would have broken up with Michael Jackson is because she believed in the idea that he was, you know, molesting children right that's what everyone would say but she was absolutely clear it was not the case she didn't think yes that, at all. that that's crazy yeah so yeah. yeah really cool thank you well um so then then of course i was curious about well so how did you become interested right. in scientology because let's why before we get into that why don't we go ahead and make sure you know some of the folks listening to this may not have watched the hbo special mm. um why can you give us like the thumbnail of who you are and what you're known for just to kind of help those folks that maybe are a little confused at this point? Okay, I'll do my best. Um, my name is Fred Brennan. I was born in February 94. I am a free software developer, but I'm mostly known for founding the image board website 8chan in the year 2013. Um, that website, unfortunately, in my opinion, became quite popular uh, after my departure, mostly. But it was acquired almost immediately by this guy named Jim Watkins because I founded it in 2013 and it was supposed to run as a nonprofit, but I was broke back then. Like, I was literally working for this guy who was paying me a little bit above minimum wage to do pretty complicated development work because he could get away with it because I didn't have a degree. And I also was in a wheelchair and back then, you know, you had to go to an office and live in California and stuff to make it in the tech industry. And so, yeah, no, uh, that whole situation. And uh, Jim Watkins had also stolen, surprise, the largest Japanese like image board slash forum slash text board you know everything right. it was the seventh largest website in japan at the time wow. that he offered you know to just take over hn and so i thought well it's probably in good hands with this guy not knowing that he had stolen it and because i mean you know he's been he has this great popular website that he has owned since 1999 not true he actually you you know like like all these lies that i only discovered many years later um 
So that is uh, what happened. And then, you know, Jim Watkins uh, became like this super, got this super hard on for Trump eventually. And then, uh, you know, it's pretty clear, given the state of the evidence, that his son, Ronald Watkins, decided to just take over the account that was posting his queue. And it spiraled from there. And then Jim Watkins was at a January 6th, you know, uh, riot. And then he uh, was interviewed by like Congress even. And their, his transcript is online now. It's It's insane, everything that happens with that. But yeah, that's that's basically who I am and what I'm known for. These days, my life is a lot more quiet. I just stare at lines and lines of terminal output and try to figure out why Linux kernel drivers aren't working. Well, that's that was one thing I was going to ask you was that uh, there's a lot of drama in that HBO series um, that uh, at one point uh, Watkins sued you and, mm-hmm. was ma- and managed to get a warrant for your arrest in the Philippines. That's why with, I like legal stuff so much. Which you explained and, and Cullen helped explain uh, might have been a death sentence. If, right. if, you, if you had been put into a, a Philippines jail, given the state of care there and, and your needs. And so there's a very dramatic sequence at the end of the series where Cullen's literally helping you get to an airport to get you out of the Philippines to save your life. Yes, yeah. Um, and that was a very good thing that he did for me. He's a very good guy. Um, I would say, oh, oh, yes, that that's all true. Okay. That Jim Watkins basically just abused the legal system there because he's rich and he can do that, you know? And I'm not saying anything really bad about their legal system. I feel that that's true of any legal system. Cough Danny Masterson. Okay. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, I, I the, the way that he did it was especially preposterous and probably would not work in the United States, but, you know, it works there. Basically, he said that because I wrote in a tweet, and my Twitter is always crazy. Like, I, I write the fun stuff all the time, but because I had written in a tweet that he was incompetent and senile, that I was making a medical claim there with the word senile, hmm. that wow. he had actually Alzheimer's and that that was liable. Huh. Yeah. Very strange legal claim. Um, uh, it, so it became, but because the Philippines has all sorts of weird rules, which again, rich people have, you know, in that society, like gotten into the law, there is a concept there of a private prosecution. Okay, so right. if a uh, if somebody in the state has looked at the charges, right, and said, hmm, well, okay, I guess that that purport, you know comports with the law, and we can try this case in criminal court, but it doesn't meet the level yet of like like the the government of the Philippines. It doesn't have an interest in trying this case uh it was i guess rich people there got so that in what they called you know like so that you know like no crime goes unpunished or whatever (laughs) right yes that you can have a private attorney that you're paying stand in as the prosecutor 
and prosecute a criminal defendant, which is what, so that's how I knew that like, I was so screwed. And not only that, but okay. There's also um, in that country, you cannot get your uh, visa renewed if you have any pending criminal case. They call it a derogatory record. Hmm. So yeah, if you have a derogatory record, now you're committing an immigration violation. And then you will be put in the Bureau of Bikutan, uh, oh my God, no, Bureau of Immigration Bikutan Detention Center. Another one of my Wikipedia articles, because <laughs> I had to do so much research about it, you know, to yeah. know what I was facing, that I just turned all that into that article. But no, not not a very nice place. A lot of people have died there. Um, uh, and, and really sad situations too, like old people that just, it, it, I don't know, it, it's so screwed up. But then again, it, you know, I can't blame them because, I mean, it's not like I can blame the Philippines necessarily for instituting that system because it's mostly used like on the grand scale at a diplomatic level to get America to stop being so bad to Filipino nationals here, which they're terrible to, you know, in the ICE detention centers. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, like, like it, it's just so shit. It's so shit all around, you know, it, it's one of those things that's just. Well, I guess uh, my, my, my question then was, um, are, so things are calmer now. You're 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 in a good situation now. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, last year he did threaten to kill me, and the FBI got involved again. But mm. yeah, uh, I, I don't know if you had heard about that. There, it was reported in Vice, and um, well, I think no, I, I can't remember. Maybe Newsweek. Yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, he uh, basically he basically so in. June of 2022, uh, he was having an argument with his son, basically. And, he, you know, I guess <laughs> I guess his son didn't want to post his cue anymore. That's my interpretation. <laughs> but, but, but no matter what, what, no matter what was wrong, he we know for a fact that he was posting his cue because he screwed up something technically. And I was able to prove that. And it was this, a was, the, this was the salting thing that yeah, took place. Yeah, yeah I yeah. remember that. Right. Yeah, I was able to prove that. And then he got so mad about it that, you know, him and his um, co host, who is just this, you know, dirtbag alcoholic, uh, I'm, I've met him in person, <laughs> guy that still lives in Manila, uh, Kevin Roth goes by Major Burdock. You know, we're, we're, we're like making like, you know, AK-47 noises and, and really crazy. And, and you know, like uh, putting like bounties on my head, you know, like 20 grand if you go to Atlantic City and, and, and get him on a boat and bring him to the Philippines. Very strange. Wow. Um, yeah. He, 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 he told them that he wanted them to do a rendition on me. Like it's a spy movie. <laughs> Very, yeah, it was clear what it was. And uh, yeah, so I had to be talking to FBI agents again about Jim Watkins. It's like the third time. But um, fortunately, though, not, like I was pretty worried for a while. But honestly, all it did was show that he is a laughing stock and a joke. And that even he doesn't like anybody that pretends to like him 
is not even willing to even show up here and make threats. Like, I, it just made me see them as such cowards because nobody even knocked on the door. Like, I didn't think I was going to actually be kidnapped, but, like, nobody even, like, egged my house or anything. They're just such cowards, you know? Like, it's, I expected an egging, at least. Come on. <laughs> you know, a teepeeing, like, in an old movie? I don't know. Well, listen, I, I think the series is great. And, and, and the, the upshot is that there's this amazingly huge QAnon phenomena in the United States and around the world. And what you and Colin helped do was explain where it came from. And I thought that was very, very useful. And uh, you guys went a long way to showing who's really behind the whole Q, the, the Q account. Yeah. Really, fa really, really fascinating stuff. Um, and you know, you've talked about how that you were, you launched that 8chan, uh, forum and, and, and you regret now what it became and you've denounced it and you've tried to stop Jim Watkins. So, you know, I, I just thought, uh, you came out great in that series. Well, well, thank you. Um, I, I would say that, uh, you know, Jim Watkins these days has been made so powerless not only through my actions, but other activists, that the weird thing is Q has kind of escaped its master's control in a way uh -huh. that Scientology, that we, we haven't really seen that happen. You right. know what I mean? Like the Scientology squirrels don't have that much power. Right. You know, they don't have any power, really. I mean, they win some lawsuits, which I think is cool. I mean, I think that's just good from a freedom of religion perspective even though Marty Rathbone is mm -hmm. really crazy, you know, kind of an asshole. But it, it, it's good from a legal perspective in the case of having precedent. But I don't know. Um, it's But they don't have any power. But meanwhile, in Q, I guess you could say the squirrels have all the power and, and David Miscavige has none, if that makes any sense. That's, that's a great, no, that's a great analogy. That is, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm glad I... Um, yeah, that, that, that's the only way I can think to explain it because, it, you know, they've taken over and like, he can't even get 10 viewers on his live stream. Sometimes it's pathetic. It's wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's no reason for activists to even watch them because he's reaching no one. Well, how about now if you explain how Scientology became an interest of yours, when you explained this to me before, it was really interesting and kind of crazy. And I hope you yeah. can help us non-technical types understand. So do your best. Okay, I will do my best. So um, obviously, it's been so many years now that in 2008, I was a kid, right? So it's that, that was all so long ago. It might be fresh in a lot of your viewers' minds, but for me, it's really long ago. So um, I was on 4chan at like age 12 when that was happening. Okay. And um and you and you when you say 2008 you're referring to the anonymous phenomenon. Yes. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh obviously 8chan came out of 4chan, right? So Right. It's yeah, it's a, it was like a version of 4chan that just allowed users to make boards. It wasn't that big of an idea. It was just like make it more like Reddit. But anyway, um I was on 4chan basically all the time at that age, all day when I was at home from school. And uh, 
so I saw all of this stuff going on with Scientology. You know, of course, the famous 2005, um, like, like interview that Tom Cruise did with, yeah. <laughs> with the, Matt Lauer. Yeah, yeah, the, the the Freedom Medal of Honor that he got, and right. <laughs> that video is so funny, and the version that's all cut up that most people watch is not even the funny one. The long one is really good, but <laughs> it is good. Yeah, the thirty minute um, version. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so when all that was going on, though, somebody on the board dropped this file, and it was special, at least in technical terms, because it it fooled 4chan's server. So it's possible in computer science to have a file that has hidden data in it. So if you upload, let's say, a JPEG, right, which would look like an image to the server, and so all of the code on the server that is trying to make sure that it doesn't allow the user to put a malicious file on the server or to put a file that can be opened with another program, like it's usually an unintended thing for users to be able to hide data and files. So it, all of that code didn't work. And this JPEG file, if you opened it with a program called WinRAR, which is an archiver, it's like a, basically a zip file, right? It's, I don't think people use RARs anymore, but if you opened it with WinRAR, it would have all of the Xenu documents in it. So you would you could open it normally and it would look like like just the Scientology logo. But then if you opened it in WinRAR, you could extract like like so many megabytes of PDFs out of it and so, read all so, the Xenu docs. Yeah. So 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 it had these sort of confidential Scientology documents hidden in a file mm -hmm. that just looked like a picture. Yes, that's right. Yes. That that's wow. what it was. Wow. And I wanted to figure out how it worked so badly. And I tried for like a year, two years. It was a long time to figure out like how did they do that? Because I really wanted to know. And so I was a kid though, and I wasn't that good with like computers yet, right? So for me it was really hard and it required me to read a lot of stuff that probably not very like age appropriate, like like not interesting to kids. Like right. like like the ISO JPEG standard and, you know, very fancy sounding documents and uh, the ISO JPEG implementation in C, you know, it's, which is just thousands of lines. And so I eventually figured out how they did it and it wasn't even that complicated, but well, that's how I see it now so many years later. But I think that in a very strange way, Scientology helped me learn how to program and helped me learn a lot about computer science. That's great. Wow. And that's why I say that they totally unintentionally, because they've never had a positive impact on anyone through direct, you know, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the teachings of LRH so-called and the tech have never had a positive impact like through direct exposure. It's only through this back, back channel way that they were totally denouncing at the time. You know, it's not like the church had any good uh, impact here. It's just that these documents appeared on 4chan and of course they were suppressed and eventually uh, Chris Poole figured out like how it was done and uh, that was who owned 4chan back then. And, you know, he made it so that you could no longer post the file because I would try it every once in a while just to see if you could still post it. And um, 
he eventually figured out how it was being done and then, and then stopped it. But of course, he didn't tell people probably because, well, if you know how it's being done, then y- you know what to try next, I guess, right? I see, but, I see. Yeah. Right. Um, wow, well, that's fascinating. So, so your interest in Scientology at the time, at the time of Anonymous, helped you become a computer expert. That's amazing. So, um, the thing, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that, um, see, to me, QAnon, Scientology, there's kind of an interesting relationship in my mind, anyway. One of the th- reasons is, in my social media feeds, virtually everyone i see actually using qanon slogans posting qanon memes who are interested in those q themes are either scientologists or ex-scientologists i mean every single one well that makes Uh, perfect sense to me well and that's what i wanted to ask you is what sort of i mean you you you've studied scientology you know it really well and of course you're you know as much about qanon as anybody what sort of parallels and connections do you see? Well, okay, the first major one I see is the idea of clearing the planet. So QAnon, you know, the idea is that there are all of these suppressive people out there. Because what are the, you know, like the people that they believe are the pedovores, as they call them, like the high up people that are like literally... Uh, uh, not only pedophiles, but also carnivores, and they basically need to harvest something out of kids to live forever. Didn't seem to work for Queen Elizabeth. She was a big <laughs> part of the cute... No, that, um, yeah, I, it, that was sarcasm, but it, it's true. Like She was a big part of the QAnon lore. Right. Like, when she died, a lot of it stopped making any sense. But it wow. never made any sense. But it's like, it started losing internal consistency to the degree. But you... you, you you know Scientology. So you know that, again, another thing that attracts them to it is it doesn't matter how much internal consistency it loses, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like Queen Elizabeth can croak and everything can be based on the fact that she needs to, you know, the, the kid blood to live forever. Oh, well, you know, that's abrogated now. So, yeah, um, <laughs> that's two things right there. But there's even more than that. It's, it's, it's the idea that, you know, Everything you individually do and think and say has such a profound impact, which is true. Like that's true on a on a transcendental metaphysical sense, but 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 not in a saving the world sense, as they say. Like you know, no no monk or nun or you know imam who is sane even if they live a very holy life and try to help other people is thinking that they personally are gonna save the world full stop right you know and and so that's another thing that set, that that puts scientology and q very close together but there's more it, it, the, the belief in conspiracy theories of course is the major one and they believe in a lot of the same ones and then the health quackery again there's a whole thing in Scientology, you know, the purification rundown is just religiously mandated health quackery. It's it's insane, but it, 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 QAnon, again, they have that with, you know, the bleach. <laughs> so it's, and, and, and just like 
just like, you know, the purification rundown, they can make that sound a whole lot more scientific than you would think, you know, because it's, you know, and they can make their opponents sound a lot dumber than you can think too, because they'll say, well, they want to make it sound like we're telling you to drink bleach, but we're not. Actually, this is like a real regulated process and we're taking things out of it and like injecting, like, you know, it, but isn't that the same thing with the purification rundown? <laughs> because, <laughs> because like they, they tell you, well, you know, our opponents would say that we're just giving all this stuff to make you turn red, but actually, you know, we're doing it at these fixed intervals and putting you in a hot room and it's gonna, yeah, it, it's the same. It's the same. And it's so close. And I feel like anybody in QAnon would be more open to trying the purification rundown than they would be to actually just following a doctor's advice. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, those are the major themes, but I mean, if you were to just bring like anything up in QAnon, I probably could relate it to Scientology somehow because they are just, they're just so close in so many ways. And the only thing that makes them different is that, you know, Scientology is still so centralized. And the thing that I've been looking to, and I thought it was going to happen a lot sooner, surprised me, is that the squirrels just can't ever seem to get their act together. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have an uncommonly great interest in the squirrels. I, I I like them. It's not like I like them as people or I like what they're... But I like them from the perspective that they're trying to take a very closed system and give people some freedom around it while they're deciding whether or not that system still works for them, if that makes any sense. Well, another parallel might be, because I just... Um... I love the guys at QAnon Anonymous. And the other day, uh, I know you've been on that program. The, the other day they were talking about that this is one of the challenges for QAnon is that there's no unity and everybody hates everybody. And they're all, mm -hmm. you know, they're all denouncing each other. And that's exactly the same situation in the free zone with the independent yes. world, yes. as you say, yeah. is they all hate each other's guts. I was just in Israel and was visiting uh, Danny and Tammy Lemberger, who were part of the Haifa mission that broke away. And right. now they have an independent center. Mm -hmm. And I like them. They're really good people. They're very nice oh, people. They are. Now they, you know, they, they ascribe to certain things to L. Ron Hubbard that I, I find uh, uh, hard to believe. But um, Danny was telling me that, that, you know, he just gets so denounced by the other independents that they could never actually work together. And I think that is another parallel with, with what's going on in QAnon. Yeah. And, but the only thing that keeps Scientology going, I, I, I think is because there is still this one strong, like, 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 like it's not independent Scientology, but it's still Scientology, i.e. the Church of Scientology, right? Right. That is able to just continue to perpetuate it itself into the future while a lot of the you know um like organization of independent scientologists or the one that's like this huge long german name that i can't remember you know free zone all, all of that they just are so often fighting with one another that it just doesn't seem to, to ever go anywhere and that is one of the major differences because you know in in Q, and, and, and this might even make Q more dangerous in different ways than Scientology, because Scientology is super dangerous in its own ways. Mm -hmm. It's just when there is 
no uh, nobody running the shit show and it's just everybody does whatever they want and makes whatever interpretation they want and then radicalizes whoever they want because that's the ultimate conclusion to that um that can lead to violence in the real world terror attacks that kind of thing meanwhile the violence of scientology is just as bad but it tends to be more against like your loved ones and your family and uh your former friends and, and colleagues which is terrible too like it's it's shitty all around but i don't know yet at least thank god that scientology is actually killing people no but they they abuse their own people is, is maybe one of the differences is you, you know you're exactly right it's this highly totalitarian organized centralized thing um and david miscavige at the at the top of it exerts incredible control over these people and uh scientology hurts its own people which is one of the reasons why i think maybe it's tough to get the government to do anything yeah because you know um i don't know is the government i mean it's just scarier when because somebody in q can like uh, somebody in QAnon actually killed a random mob boss on the streets of New York. I don't know if you've heard this story. Yes, yes. But 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 just a random random mob boss, and it, it's not even clear if the dude was still even involved in organized crime or anything, because like, dude didn't have any charges against him, right? Right. But this guy just walks up to him and shoots him for nothing because he believed it because he like. But but this wasn't even like a theory that had been like posted. It was just something that he came up with because he was mentally ill, but he was convinced by all these people that there were actually pedophores and all of this. And so he was just able to 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 convince himself that this former mob boss was one of them, if that makes sense. Sure. And and also, I mean, uh the other thing that's scary about QAnon, not just the potential for violence, which does happen. But the larger impact on our democracy. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, in, in that way, people should pay more attention to Scientology because they have a profound impact on local and especially if there are Republicans in government again, they will be having, especially if it's Ron DeSantis, a national impact again. Because there's, you know, their, their headquarters is in Clearwater and it, it would just be profoundly difficult for me to believe that all of the shenanigans that they have done in Clearwater, like the ridiculous abandoned buildings and them just owning the downtown, basically. Um, you know, I've never been there. I, I do know somebody from there. I told you before the show that I need to hire a secretary. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> in Clearwater. Oh, you're, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's who I'm thinking of hiring. Um, but anyway... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but she, uh, like, like what they've done in Clearwater is crazy. It's crazy. And it, I just know that if they, like, if he became important nationally, the Church of Scientology, they might not have, like, a connection directly to Ron DeSantis, but they have probably somebody, like, below him, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, you know, um, I think there's some blame to go on both parties, particularly with the IRS. Uh, just the other day, I got asked by somebody, doesn't Bill Clinton deserve 
more blame because he signed that 1993 agreement that gave them tax of status. And I point out always that there's blame to share because it was mm-hmm. George H.W. Bush's IRS commissioner who got that ball rolling in 1991. And then it was signed by Clinton in 1993. Um, and then as far as inaction on the part of the federal government, um, you know, that's that's happened under both Democratic and Republican administrations. The federal government just doesn't seem interested in doing anything at the highest levels. And now, now on the local level, yes, there are federal agents who are very interested in doing something about Scientology. Mike Rinder talks about that a lot. I've actually met some. It's it's real. The, the feds are interested, but they just don't seem to do anything about it. I don't know. I mean, I often feel that way about like Jim Watkins because I did say that I talked to the FBI, but it's not like he's in jail, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just that the, the, the threat passed because enough attention was put on that situation that you know, nothing happened, but, um, he is kind of still like, I feel thankfully. And I, but again, as long as these people are out there and as long as they're so lacking morals, which he is, and as long as they're so able to influence or at least get in a position where they're able to influence again, it could, you know, like he could, cause profoundly bad things to happen again. And so, yeah, I, I, in a way though, I do, I I sometimes try to look at the other side. So I feel like I didn't do that enough, you know, when I I was (laughs) with the ATS. So I try to look at the other side and say, well, it's good in a way that our government is trying to protect our, our, like religious liberty and freedom of expression, you know? So I can't be that, that hard, but, but, oh my God, some of these cases where like, the, the things in Los Angeles, you know, that they just do nothing about um, uh, Shelly Miscavige, for example, right. is, is crazy. And yeah. I, well, that, that's what I was going to ask you is what are some of your, some of the things that you find most interesting uh, looking at Scientology over the years? Wow. Where would we even start? <laughs> it's, it's, Okay, well, their reaction to the anonymous thing was really funny. Yeah. Really funny. And it showed why they are not reaching this generation. It was like a very early, early misstep by them because they just don't get the internet at all. And and it is kind of a religious dogma to them to not be able to get the internet, if that makes any sense. Because if you're a successful young person in Scientology, you're in the Sea Org, so you're not using the internet, right? Right. And if you're a successful old person in it, you can't read end data. And so you can't use the internet normally. And so basically none of them understand, like, 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 even the idea of a pro Scientology meme account is almost a contradiction in terms. Right. Because right. every other extremist ideology, if you think about it, like like even I don't know, even ISIS. People were worried that ISIS was like kind of good at memes. Right. right. Do you remember that? Yes. But, they had but, that they had that slick publication, right? 
yes, like a yeah, like yeah, a quarterly yeah. or something that would come I out. I forget and, what its name is, but yeah. I think it's yeah. Yeah. And then they had those like catchy music videos. They were really <laughs> catchy, right? Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And but think about Scientology. They will just like register who is TonyOtega.com. <laughs> and then they will just put, you know, a bunch of stuff that I guess they hire a web designer to make for too much money, probably. <laughs> um, but it, it, good on that web designer, like you charge them more. But and then what? Well, Google will just look at it and be like, hmm, this website isn't very reliable. <laughs> Users don't really click through to it. And then it will get rated at like the bottom. Oh, okay. Is that how that works? All right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it works in a lot of ways. I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly how the Google algorithm works because it's like a proprietary secret. And nobody knows. But that's one of the ways that that, that it is okay. decided because, I mean, it's also decided just based on like who owns it. Because, you know, if everything, every time is just going back to like Scientology's IP space, then doesn't take a genius to understand that every single website that is like, who is, you know, so-and-so.com or .org or .net is um, not a reliable website, if that I makes sense. I see, yeah. yeah. I, do my uh, best to ignore, I do my best to ignore those kind of websites because, you know, they have some nasty stuff out there about, about Mike, about Leah, about me, but I just find that they don't have, get any traction. And if you just ignore them, they don't seem to, you know, uh, make much impact. Totally that, true. That's the thing to do, right? That's what I do with the Q people and 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 with everybody else. That is, you know, just like like always <laughs> for their own reasons. Always because they have their own, you know, the stuff that they want to push is just ignore them because you know it's yeah it it it, it is the best way to go. Um, and you know, yeah. Uh, but but Scientology is particularly inept at the internet. It, it it's. I hope they never get better. But I think that they are actually. If they're able to get better, it will be in like, like geological time scale compared to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like like compared to the normal extremist organization that got it in like you know thirty years, it'll probably take them like three generations. Like the internet will have to be just so every part of society. That even the devout Scientologists can no longer ignore it, basically, for them to finally get it. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah. What other uh, subjects are you interested in with Scientology? Okay, I would say that. So there, we just talked about their reaction to the anonymous thing, but how about just all of the crazy, you know? like papers that Elon Hubbard would put out. One of the reasons I first got interested in it is because it is kind of an archival uh, interest where they're yeah. always trying to suppress things. Yeah. Right. Right. But they don't want people to see like just everything though. It's, it's, it's not even that there's necessarily anything bad in there. And some of it's a lot, really interesting. Like you often on your blog, I really appreciate post very interesting quotes from L. Ron Hubbard or that time this happened on the free winds or, you know, that time, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just throwbacks to the 70s or the 80s or the 60s, and they're really interesting. And, um, you know, but they just don't, they are very offended at the idea that people can know history, like know real history, and that there is a historical record. And, and that offended me from like an ideological perspective from a very young age. Obviously, as a you know, Wikipedia editor, I, I obviously skewed towards the belief that, you know, information wants to be free and that it's, it's, a, it's a corrupt act to suppress it, you know. So, um, uh, but, but some, of, some of the papers that L. Ron Hubbard put out are always fascinating to me. Like, all of his orders that he would put out, there are just so many. I have a lot of them, and, and it's it's, and the the idea that in Scientology, you know, because it's so hard sometimes to understand how things work in the actual church if you've never been in it. Right. But they quote those like the like scriptures, all yeah. of them. Right. They're like the hadith of the Scientologist. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. No, I mean it, it is scripture. I mean that's that's part of why you know, they still have these idiotic reactions to things and they, um, you can kind of predict what they're going to do because they're playing, they're always operating from that playbook that Hubbard right. laid down in this, in the fifties and sixties and they can't change it because he's dead. So they just keep doing the same thing over and over again, whether it makes any sense or not. And yeah. And so the reason I'm mentioning this is because I have always wondered if, David Miscavige is ever actually going to come out with OT9. What is your thought on that? <laughs> you know, he's been, uh, he started to make a lot of noise about that about two years ago. And it really surprised me um, that he, they started, uh, you know, one of the things that both Mike Rinder and I do at our blogs is we try to find these internal flyers and stuff and, yeah. sh and show people what they're, what Scientology is telling its own people is always fascinating. And about two years ago, maybe three years ago, I guess it would have been before the pandemic. So, gosh, maybe it's even four or five years ago now. Um, they, you know, Miscavige suddenly started making noise about OT9 and 10. And that's, I'd always been told that they had always been told they'll come out together. Uh, Tori Chrisman, for example, told me she, she paid for OT9 and 10 like 30 years ago. And so huh. they all they all expect those two to come out together for whatever reason. And okay. and it just, you know, we started seeing these flyers. You got to come down to the briefing. You got to be ready for OT9 and 10. And I remember I was surprised because I thought, I don't think OT, according to, you know, what Marty Rathbun was said when he first came out before he went nuts. Um, he was saying there is no OT9 and 10. And I think Mike also believes that, 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 that there never was anything that Miscavige could put out. Now, I remember I, I talked... Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I believe that, but I think he's going to make something up. Like, that's that's how I well, think... Well, that's what I asked Claire Headley. I said, I, at one point I asked Claire, I said, couldn't he just put some stuff together and call it OT9? I mean, he's David Miscavige. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, at, right now, of course, now after the pandemic, I think they're really hurting, and he's got other issues. But um, but they he definitely was dangling that just a few years ago. Well, I'm glad he's having a lot of issues right now, and I I hope they continue. 
Um, I would much rather that the church collapses than we ever get to see whatever the hell he puts into OT9 and 10. That's for sure. <laughs> but the reason I mention it is because, okay, that is one potential way that they could abrogate some stuff if they had to, is through OT9 and 10. What do you mean? And, sorry? I said, what do you mean? I mean that, okay, let's say, because uh, really the people that are like still in, still in Scientology are the ones that are so diehard that they're like right. interested in doing that eventually and right. might even be like OT8s right now. Right. So if they need to make a change, David Miscavige could just write it and sign it L. Ron Hubbard and boom, bam, presto. You know, that, that, that's doctrine now. And if you don't accept it, you're an SP. Like, that, that seems like the only way to me. I could be wrong. Am well, I? He might. He might. I mean, it, it's, you know, a, a, a one thing to kind of look at as a precedent might be the basics from 2007. Mm -hmm. Because everybody had those books. I mean, every good Scientologist had multiple copies of Dianetics and problems of work, and you know, uh, science of survival, and they all they had libraries. And then Miscavige announced that no, there were problems with these books, there was a problem with the transcriptions, and had a whole new set come out and forced everyone to buy them at like three thousand dollars a set, right? Oh, and no. it just looked like a big, you know, money Damn. grab those yeah. of us on the outside so if he's capable of doing that to his own people i think you're absolutely right that there's really nothing keeping him from just putting together something and calling it ot9 exactly and he might lose some people but if he was able to somehow like guarantee his dynasty for example oh you know it, it, it's hard to imagine what he's gonna do and, and he could never do any of this who knows but uh, yeah, I, I that that's always fascinated me. Like, where is that going to go? Because I feel like it's one of the only cards he has is LT nine and ten. When it comes to like a doctrinal card, you, you know, like something that they actually believe is coming. Right. Because it, obviously he could just like <laughs> put out some HCO bulletins that he says, "Oh, found these," but that wouldn't carry the same weight. I don't think. Well, his focus has been less on the tech, and I mean, he has upgraded the tech numerous times with golden age of tech and all that stuff. But his focus has more been on buildings, you know, with these ideas. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the stupid balloons that he puts up every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, no I, I, I get it. It's just, I, I wonder, like, because he's getting older, and I just wonder. How is he gonna? Is he gonna try to leave his mark in another way on this organization? So, but but other than that, I guess the final thing that interests me is just a computer person is the e meter, right? Like, oh yeah, right. I really like the e meter, <laughs> like as a, as a technology thing and as a, a, the way that it's a scam blow my mind. Like it's you put out the Christmas catalog recently, didn't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I very much enjoyed that piece. Five thousand dollars for <laughs> that's right. I could build an e meter for thirty dollars, even yep. given the inflation right now, and it's right. not much. Yeah. Um in fact, if any squirrel wants to know how to make an e meter, just email me and I will tell you. It's 
<laughs> I, I, I feel because all it is, is is just electrical conductance, right? So yeah, yeah, you know, and and skin resistance. So you put your hands on the cans, as they call them, right? And right. it doesn't have to be cans, but it, it, anything metal, and it just <laughs> measures changes in your like how conductive your skin is not it's it's based on like if you're sweating a lot but it can also be based on because putting them on your hands is basically the worst place because yeah it's the worst yeah but that's all part of it i think oh absolutely i mean it's just a parlor trick i mean you know it's the same concept as the ouija board is that you think you think you're holding your hands perfectly still and the and the the ouija board piece is moving on its own same thing with the with the e-meter. You think you're holding those cans as steady as possible, but it's literally impossible for the I mean, human... this is kind of crazy, but I've actually yeah. wanted to make a little game, like an actual board game that you would sell like a Ouija board, uh-huh. where it is an actual e-meter and some actual Scientology, like a party game to do with your friends. One of you will be the auditor, and one of you will be the, the pre-clear, and do some Scientology. <laughs> And do some Scientology auditing, just so you, because I feel like it gives people a really good understanding of of how the scam works and how people fall for it. Because yeah. I didn't understand it that well before I did that myself over Skype with some people. And you mm-hmm. really see like how when you're answering certain questions, the meters move and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 if you have somebody there who is seeming to be able to speak authoritatively, and that they know what all those meter movements name mean rather. And that they've got names for all of them, you know, like that. Oh, that's a floating needle. Oh, that was just a little bit of a spike there. <laughs> uh, uh, right, Paul? Like, like it's it's it puts you more in the in the mindset of how in before the internet and before mass communication, it makes me. I think it would make people more empathetic for Scientologists. A. But B, I also think it could be pretty fun and pretty funny because some of the questions are really good party game questions. Like, you know, have you ever had homosexual thoughts, for example? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what I would call it, but um, um, a, a Scientology e-meter party game, you know, actually, I don't know. I'd buy it. <laughs> Well, I think you should de- design an online version first so that we can all play it. And uh... Okay. All right. <laughs> That's an even better idea. That's an even better idea. Yeah. It's just you need the physical equipment to do to do the Yeah. Like yeah, you, you you need there needs to be something physical. That's the only reason that my conception was a was a game part. But I mean, only the people that are playing the pre-clears need that. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Well, but listen, I also this... think that that's what keeps the squirrels in, because I've talked to a lot of squirrels. As I told you, I have a special love for the squirrels. And I, I think that <laughs> they just like talking about their problems with people who listen, some of them. Okay, okay, but but let me just ask you, though, yeah, about please. the free... You, do you know what the biggest issue is in the free zone that splits them? Uh, uh, one of the one of the big arguments is, is, the, is the squirrels, the independents, the free zoners, who all believe that uh, the CIA actually kidnapped L. Ron Hubbard in 1972 and he was replaced by a clone. Oh there's, another th- yeah. there's another thing. There's another thing that QAnon has. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, QAnon, so, right? That's so similar to QAnon. I exactly. didn't even notice that until now. Yes, yes. So that's one of the ways that they explain the Queen Elizabeth thing that I, I talked about earlier. Yes, yes. She's not actually dead. That's what they say. They She's been replaced with a clone. <laughs> she ain't actually dead. That's what they say. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that some of them did that for Elrond. I just never put it together. Yeah. No, I mean, okay. But it, it, when I try to think about what keeps people into certain things, I also understand that they have a lot of crazy beliefs on top of it. But I also try to think, okay, but people have a lot of crazy beliefs just in general, but what is it that keeps them what positive thing, rather, do they get out of it that keeps them in? Because yeah. at least in my study and in, in talking to people that have been in dangerous cults, not, not, not only, you know, Q, but uh, people in the free zone right now, like that were in Scientology. And <laughs> this is bizarre, but there are actually some people like involved in that free zone that have never been in the actual Scientology. There um, are some. There are a few. That's true. Mm-hmm, You're there right. are. Yeah. So uh, that's wild to me, like how why what's wrong with you but you know like (laughs) (laughs) i try not to put it quite that way when i'm trying to get information out of them but as i'm sure you do you are a very good journalist you're probably much 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 better at it than i am um (laughs) but yeah uh but I, i do think that that is what a lot of them get out of it i could be wrong but they probably don't want to admit to themselves, especially if they were in Scientology, that they could benefit from some psychiatric counseling. That's the only way that they can, you know, get something that's like psychiatric counseling without going back on 50 years of their beliefs that are delusional, if that. Yeah, that's really, really hard for them. Yeah, it's really It, it is. Uh, even a lot of ex-Scientologists don't even want to admit that, like, that, you know, that, that, that Scientology is legitimate, even even if they're not squirrels, right? Like they, or I'm sorry, that psychology is legitimate, even if they're not squirrels. Right. No, it's, it's, it's difficult even for people who have left Scientology entirely. Yes. I've, t- I've talked to many of them say, you know, okay, I left Miscavige because he was so crazy. And then it took me a few more years, but then I got away from Hubbard and his ideas but then still they found it very difficult to seek therapy or think at right. all about going to right. psychiatry because that's so deeply embedded in their thinking. I mean, you know, and it, of course, at one level, it's like a cartoon. Hubbard says that the evil psychs are this trillion year old force in the universe. <laughs> but right. You'd think that wouldn't be that hard to get rid of. But for some reason, they just pound it into their heads that I psychiatry think I know. is the ultimate evil. I think I have an idea of why it's so hard to get rid of. And my my theory is that it's because, A, it's something that a lot of society believes. It's the idea that psychology is not even a real, like, you know, uh, study of science or study of medicine is something that a lot of people believe. It's, you know, and even, even like, people that you would think are really rational and logical about every other subject. This one, for some reason, is is one that they don't. Also, another thing I think about it is, with all the other Hubbard guys, there's something to show, you know? 
like that he's lying, but you can't prove somebody else's mental state. And you can't prove mm. the psychology or psychiatry with anything but a, you know, double blind study, which uh, for somebody that was interested in Scientology, boring. So, um, right. <laughs> not, not, not to be so harsh, but like, like, like for real, it's, it's difficult to get people to see what they and what a lot of other people that were never even involved still believe and 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 and, you know what is even just a common thing to say by people that are ignorant well oh that person is just always a downer and you know they just need to try harder and work harder you know so yeah well, listen, this has been so much fun. I mean, uh, I already admire. Yeah, thanks you a lot for having me on. I'm honored, by the way. I'm really sorry that, you know, some technical issues in the beginning, but uh, I we had oh, no a problem. Great, no problem. great conversation, I thought. Well, I'm just so glad that uh, you're this conversant with the subject. And, you know, I, I just, I'm just thrilled that Fred Brennan is a friend of the Underground Bunker. And I'm going to draw on you for some other things coming up, okay? Yeah, no problem, no problem. And if you do want that, uh, like transcription thing, basically how I would do it is you wouldn't, you you would have to basically choose like which ones you want to use. But it would just after you post a study, email it to you, and then you would decide, oh, do I want to attach this or, or not? Basically. So the next big story, I will let you know. That's that's. I think people would enjoy that. Uh, that that delicious British voice reading the bunker. So <laughs> I listen, can mix up the voices thank too. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that, that could be cool. All right. All right, Fred. Thank you so much, man. Take care. I'm reckoning